We are in a series on strong, healthy families, and um, so I don't, want, I don't want the series to become more important than what we're teaching and learning through this. We've talked about strong, healthy families are made up of strong, healthy individuals, and strong, healthy individuals are first and foremost people who have bent their knee to the lordship of Jesus Christ so that you have a strong foundation. And then last week we spoke uh, about uh, strong, healthy families. Strong, healthy individuals are looking forward, uh, moving forward, forgetting the past, Paul says, and uh, pressing on, keeping Jesus, uh, our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And uh, I'm excited about this. Today I'm going to talk about uh, strong, healthy families are whole. So don't forget that families come in all shapes and sizes. There's very few of us in here today. I don't think there's any that have mom and dad and 2.5 kids. Maybe. Do we have anybody with uh, mom and dad, two children, and one on the way? You're an average. You're average. All right. (laughs) Everybody else is an extended family or part of a blended family or single-parent families or emerging families, you know, uh, that's what we call teens in love, and so, um, or young adults in love. Let's say that uh, all the parents with their their oldest child is a teenager. They're the ones that are like this. Their last child that's a teenager. They go, okay, like this. So um, anyway, we're talking about being healthy and whole today, in body and soul and spirit, and. Um, I want to read this passage. It's a little. It's about twelve verses, I think. But Paul's uh, speaking to the church at Thessalonica and giving them some practical information. And just a reminder: every time you read one of Paul's epistles or Peter's, they always start out with the foundational theo- theological uh, stuff that you cannot just. And then they finish with the with the practical. But you cannot just go from uh, nothing to the practical. A lot of times we want to read the end of Ephesians. Put on the full armor of God. Children, obey your parents. You know, or, or the practical stuff in Romans 12. Live at peace with all people and you know, uh, outdo one another in showing love. That's all the practical stuff at the end of the letters. But you can't do that without the foundation of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. Otherwise, we just become a list of rules and regulations and get very legalistic. And so this is toward the end of Thessalonians. So don't forget that it's predicated upon growing in God, loving each other more, and loving God more. That's the theme in uh, 1 Thessalonians. Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work and live peaceably with each other. There's a whole bunch of bullet points here that he's going uh, to cover. Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy. Isn't that funny? He doesn't say warn them what. He just said you warn them because they're lazy. And so that's often we get in trouble one of two ways. We get in trouble in our marriages. We get in trouble in our life because we are, um, we get lazy and we get selfish. You get most things, most of our problems point to one of those two. We just kind of give up doing the task that God has assigned us. He's given us talents and abilities. We're supposed to use those to multiply them and to multiply his kingdom. And so um, encourage those who are timid. Who's timid here? Uh, they're too afraid to put their hands up. So 
I encourage you. I encourage you. Let's all say it together. We encourage you. We encourage you. All right. So <laughs> take ten- tender care of those who are weak. Be patient with everyone. See that no one pays back evil for evil, but always try to do good to each other and to all people. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Each one of these is a sermon, right? This is a lot of practical stuff that Paul is is, uh, putting in here. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who who belong to Jesus Christ. He doesn't say be thankful for all circumstances. He says be thankful in all circumstances. doesn't matter how we are, where where we are, what's happening to us, we can still have an attitude of of thanks. When we sing sing songs like, you you love those, the very ones who nailed you to the tree, you you love them. And we're the ones, by the way, who nailed him to the tree. And uh, he loves us anyway. Oh, man. Don't stifle the Holy Spirit. Don't scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good. King James says, cling. Stay away from every kind of evil. Now, he's closing, may the grace, may the God of peace make you holy in every way, and may your whole, W-H-O-L-E, your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make this happen, for he who calls you is faithful. This is one of the few places in Scripture where you have body, soul, and spirit in the same passage there. So we're going to talk about that today, being whole, being complete, body, soul, and spirit. So just a little background. Um, this isn't something that I'll die for, but it's something that I believe. Uh, God is um, eternally... Uh, existent, he's all-powerful, he's all-knowing, but he's also three in one. We can't fully explain that, but we believe that there is one God eternally existent in three persons. If you can explain that and understand that, it's probably time for you to be taken to heaven uh, because we don't fully understand that. Martin Luther said, if you can explain to me how there's one light in the room yet three candles, then then we'll be on, on our way talking. You can't fully explain something that is inexplicable. You can't fully explain God. He's, we're, we're finite. He's infinite. But He is three, and He is one. And so, who's created in His image? Is, is uh, Fluffy, your, your, uh, your little kitty, created in His image? Nope. Sorry. Or your little puppy dogs? No. People. We are created in His image. God is three in one. I believe that there's three parts of us. And you can explain it other ways. There's other passages that say body and soul or you know, things like that. But, but I really want uh, just to pull this apart and look at it from this perspective today that we're created in His image. So there's three parts of us too, is body, soul, and spirit that makes up the whole person. And so uh, we're to be complete and whole in every area. The word body in Greek is translated, you, you know, you look that up and you translate that and it means body, all right? It's soma is the word. Now, you might have heard that word soma. I Googled it this week and there's a whole lot of health clubs all across the country named soma. That has to do with body. Or there's a, there was a big uh, uh, brand name bed a few years ago. Maybe it's still out there, the soma bed. 
It just means body. That's what that means, our physical body. It's not sarks. That's a different word for our flesh. That's the evil nature that's within us. That's part of our body, so to speak. But this is just actually our physical body. Our soul, the Greek word is suke, uh, and it's translated very often, uh, most often, as soul, uh, but sometimes it's translated as life, uh, soul, like who we really are, who this live person is uh, in here. Suke, we get the word psychology or psyche. Uh, this is who we are. This is our temperament, our personality, our, you know, our, all those kind of things. That's um, where we get those. So it's not, it's not all life. The word zoe, the Greek word zoe is for all life. So if you study zoology, you're studying life. But, but uh, suke uh, has to do with human life. And then spirit, the Greek word is pneuma. And that literally means uh, breath. <sighs> so that's where pneuma is where we get uh, our word for pneumatic gun, you know, like air, air things. And so that's, that's body, soul, and spirit. God's three persons, and we are created in his image. So let's talk about that just for a few moments. Number one, the body. Uh, Paul says uh, in 1 Timothy, he says, physical training is good. Stop right there. That's true. Physical training is good. This is not talking about discipline, like disciplining your, you know, your spiritual life, let's say fasting and prayer or something. This is talking about physical fitness. Physical training is good. But training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. So physical exercise benefits the body, and a healthy body benefits you and your purposes in the kingdom, so physical exercise is good. But whenever we talk about physical exercise in the Bible, there's always cautions with it. Don't let that become your idol or your God, because there's stuff that's eternal. Your body is temporal, and, and you are, are eternal. Your spirit's eternal and going to live with God. But this body is going to die. It's going to die. We have to settle that issue. It becomes, for the, for the believer, it becomes much less fearful. Jesus conquered sin and death. He took those keys away from the enemy. Sin and death. And we don't have to fear those things. Uh, but come to terms with those and saying, my uh, future is secure in his hands, but in the meantime, I have a body, I have a job to do, I have to live on this world, and I'm going to keep it fit. But I'm not going to go overboard on it. And the reason is we're going to get a new body. It's going to be a great body. It's going to be one where we don't have any more neck issues uh, or knee issues or sleeping issues or hair falling out issues. Uh, we're going to have a new body. Like Jesus' new body, he could pass through wall. Isn't that cool? Yeah. It's amazing. Uh, so we're, I'm looking forward to a glorified body. Uh, Paul, Paul here, he's not devaluing exercise. Um, you know, he, he just assumed that all the readers would agree that, you know, you need to keep your body fit. Um, but he wasn't telling us to go into some monastery somewhere and become a monk and give ourselves to asceticism, and it's just all spiritual, spiritual, and nothing with our body. Uh, the uh, Life Application Bible Commentary says this, God has designed the human body so that it is a finely tuned instrument that is the most resilient on earth. It can endure fractures and adhesions, constant pain, and great stetch, uh, stretches of tedium. How would you like... Get a little scrape on your car 
And you go, oh, like that. And then the next morning, there's like a scab on it. And then, the, you know, then it starts to heal. And after a week or two, the scab falls off and it's all better. Right? How'd you like that? All right. Cars don't do that. Bodies do that. Think how amazing that is. How God heals us. Broken bones. When a, when a bone uh, heals, the, the place where it was fused together is stronger than the surrounding bone. It's just amazing what God has done. However, the human body is a fragile instrument because it's not built to handle excess, whether in the form of nourishment, stress, abuse, or trauma. So physical training is good, uh, but there's something more important. Our bodies are temporary, but our spirit will live in eternity. Um, so a big caution there is a big caution. Don't let sports, recreation, those kind of things become an idol or a god to us as believers. We're called to something more eternal. Uh, spirit. Colossians chapter 1, Paul gives a prayer. There's a similar prayer in the beginning of Ephesians and Philippians. Uh, Paul really is opening off and he speaks about what is uh, God's intention for us spiritually. So we've not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of His will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God. Better and better. This is our spiritual walk with God. It starts when we are born again, Jesus called it, when we become a Christian and we're born again. We also pray that you'll be strengthened with all his glorious power so that you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light for he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. So this becoming whole spiritually begins at the new birth. Most of you have had this new birth experience that Jesus spoke to Nicodemus about. He said, you must be born again. So we choose to step off the throne of our life, and invite Jesus to be Lord and Savior. And from that point on, we begin this spiritual growth. Now, the thing is, it's not your, your spiritual growth and walk and wholeness is not affected by time like your body is. You cannot turn back the clock on your body, but you can stall time spiritually. You can be born again and then just stay there, a spiritual toddler uh, for the next 20, 30, 40 years. God expects us to grow spiritually there as well. Number three, our soul. Matthew chapter 11, a very familiar passage, starting in verse 28. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I'll give you rest. What a great invitation. We've all had times in our life where we carry a big burden and we're weary. And if that's you today, Jesus is calling you, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, come to me and I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you. Wait a minute. I thought you were just going to lay your burdens down at Jesus' feet. And now he says, take a yoke on you. You know what a yoke is? It could be any number of things, but the one that comes to mind for me is a big, is a big wooden beam that's sort of like a, a flattened M, and it goes around the necks of two oxen, and they are yoked together. That's a heavy burden to be yoked to. But Jesus says, no, it's my yoke. You're going to be yoked to me. And you know what? I'll carry the brunt of the burden. But we're tied together. It's like the mouse and the elephant that crossed the bridge. And the mouse looks up at the elephant and says, we sure shook that bridge, didn't we? (laughs) All right? We are yoked to Jesus. He said, come unto me. Yes, it's a burden uh, uh, that you have. But you're going to be yoked to me. And your burden will be light. He goes on to finish here. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart. And you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. It's a yoke and it's a burden. But they're easy and they're light. So this rest here, I, I really feel that most Americans, many of us here today, live on the edge of burnout. Uh, Terry has, has preached, and she shared in this church her, her struggle the last few years, and uh, she has this ongoing thing for 15 years now with huge affairs helping her parents out. And then three years ago, we were in a pretty bad accident, and, and she had the physical pain, and and the, and the stress and all these things, and she lost her focus and staying at the feet of Jesus, listening to his word. And uh, a couple years ago, I got Terry a book uh, by Wayne Cadero. He's a good guy. He's a pastor in Honolulu, and he wrote a book. And I, whenever I tell leaders, like my friends, pastors around the world, whenever I just tell them the title, they shake their heads and go, yeah, I understand. And so I'm going to tell you the title, and you'll say, oh, yeah. So this is the title of his book, and he wrote it to uh, people in ministry, but it applies to all of us, and the title of the book is called Leading on Empty, and we could change that title for us, Living on Empty. Instead of a full tank, it's always on, on the line with that little yellow dot popping up, all right? And that's how we kind of live our lives, just barely getting by. And when we get to a gas station, we just put a couple cups in there to get us to the next gas station instead of being full. And so when we live too long on the edge, stuff happens uh, to us. Now, body and soul and spirit, it does get mixed up because they do affect one another. Um, And so we live too long on the edge. There's, There's this chemical drug that God invented and you have a little drug manufacturing plant in your body, and it's called an adrenal gland. And when you are being chased by the German shepherd down the street, that little adrenal gland starts pumping and surges through your blood, and you can run faster and hear better and respond better. Every fireman knows what I'm talking about. You're on this thing, and your responses, everything, uh, are better. And so... The thing is, that drug was meant for 
emergency use only. Not to live on that. And so when we live on adrenaline, it depletes other chemicals in our body that we need on a day-to-day basis, and it wears us down. It causes us to gain weight. It causes us to lose sleep. It causes us to be easily stressed. It causes us all kinds of things. It is really bad for us. Blood pressure, high blood pressure, heart disease, everything uh, is tied into this. And it has to do with our living too much on the edge. Uh, We as believers should have a better handle on this than anybody else, I think. Because Jesus said, Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. We should understand that. There's something that can be done about this. And um, this thing about margin, I don't want to overstate this, but we don't have enough margin in our lives anymore. Margin is is the white area around the writing in your book. You know what I mean? And uh, we're living our lives up to the edge, and some of us are overflowing, off the edge. For God so loved that what? You know, we can't even read, we can't even live because we're so overflowing. So, um, Chuck, you're a softball player, right? So, Chuck's a softball player, and he's coaching, coaching these kids, and and so. Uh, wait a minute. So I'm coaching the kids. Let me get the story right. I'm coaching the kids and I break my leg and I call up Chuck. I said, Chuck, I can't coach the kids for a while. Will you coach the kids? Chuck's lo- Chuck loves kids and he loves softball. He goes, sure. You know, oh, I'll coach them. That's because he's got margin around his edge of his pages. But suppose Chuck is really busy. It's a tough season. He's got to give acting lessons to Kelly. He's got to... <laughs> He's got all this extra stuff on his plate. And uh, so I call Chuck. Chuck, can you, you know, I broke my leg. Can you, can you please uh, coach the kids? And he goes, oh. looks in his diary and, all right, okay, I'll do it. See the difference? Because he's up to the edge. And suppose he's really overtaxed and he's ready you know, he's, he's just ready, almost on the verge of burnout, or he's living in burnout. And, and I say, Chuck, can you coach these kids? And before I get it out, he goes, I hate kids. I don't like kids. I don't want to be around them at all. Like this. I'm done. God's given you, God's given you the ability to do way more than he's called you to do. And that's because he wants us to be open and fluid and and listening and responding to the words. And a plea comes out for for help in the parking lot or the kids or or, or the worship team or something like this. And we're not so overburdened that we go, no, never. God hasn't called us to live indefinitely in that. And the biggest distraction in our culture is, I'm sorry, the biggest uh, temptation in our culture is distraction. We can be distracted by so much and get our eyes off of Jesus. Give yourself permission to rest. I'll talk more about that in a minute. So how do we apply this? For your family, think about how you can apply this to your family, to your small group, to yourself. Number one, lead yourself well. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul says, Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? 
who lives in you and was given to you by God. You don't belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. So lead, lead yourself well in every area, body, soul, and spirit. And, and be teachable. If you're going to lead yourself well and your strategies aren't working so hot, you know, as Einstein, I think, who said the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. All right? We can't do the same old, same old and expect different results. We've got to actually learn and be... He, Jesus said, come to me and learn of me. Some of us are just not teachable. We, um, being teachable means that you're willing to relearn what you think you already know. And we already know. We already know the answer. When somebody's telling us something, maybe giving... I've gone up to people and say, you know, I really believe in God. Uh, I have a word of wisdom for you. And I'm gonna, I don't even get it halfway out. They go, oh, I tried that and did that. Yes. It's like, really? It's not working. You know, it's not working. And so you're in this mess here, or, or you're in this situation. And so uh, we want to be teachable. So um, number two I have here. Become whole and complete in body, soul, and spirit. Your body, listen, becoming whole and complete in your body. Now, if you're like me, getting along, getting there, uh, it's not like, well, yeah, if I was 22 again, you know, I could, whatever. That's not it. Here's, Here's my best advice for you physically. Do the best you can with what you've got. Do the best you can with what you've got. So just a little accountability here for me on my part. I lost 60 pounds a couple years ago, ran a full marathon, finished, did met my goal, hurt my knee, uh, wasn't able to exercise much, I got, you know, gained about half of it back, and now I had that operation last month. Now it's all ready to go, and I'm getting back on track here. Uh, but do the best you can with what you got. Don't give up. Don't give up. And if it's any kind of thing, if you, if you got type 1, di- type 2 diabetes, you know, do the... Do the diet they give you. Do the exercise and do what they tell you to. And if you're on, on medication, don't, uh, don't stop taking it. You know, we trust God to heal, heal us, but uh, sometimes he heals you through mir- miraculous uh, things that the doctors can do. And trust him every way. Do the best you can with, with what you can. Families, get outside. Walk. That's the cheapest, easiest exercise there is. And it's one of the, if not the healthiest exercise, to walk. Get outside and, and take a, take a um, uh, time to have regular activities. I mean, we all know what to do there. We know what to eat. Every, there's so much information out there now. We know. Here's two food choices. This one's better than this one. Choose the better choice. And, and do the best with what you can. Our spirit, like bodily exercise... Spiritual growth and wholeness takes discipline and perseverance, just like taking care of our body. It's a daily effort. It's ongoing commitment. Uh, Spiritual athletes are just like, you know, athletes, regular athletes who train. uh, We have to train our spiritual muscles. And uh, generally, the disciplines in believers' lives, we know what they are. Get in the Word. 
Spend time with God and intimacy with God in prayer, the word in prayer. Stay around Christian fellowship. Meet regularly together like we're doing here in the temple and from house to house, the Bible says. And, and uh, witness and, and, and fellowship and serve somewhere. Those are all spiritual disciplines so that you can be whole. There's a big difference between knowing God and knowing about God. You just know about God, learning all the things. No, actually, you want to become complete and whole to know God completely and intimately. John says in chapter 1, verse 12, But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave them the right to become the children of God. There is an open invitation for you to grow in him. And our soul, I'm going to finish off with this one here. Uh, we live in a culture of, of exhausted people. People who are just exhausted. Or they've checked out. They've checked out. They're not doing themselves or anybody else any good. They're just eating, sleeping, breathing, taking up space. And that's not what God intended for you. That's not... A, the life that Jesus promised. I, I uh, came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And God never intended for us to live that way. Uh, and um, I want to encourage you in this. The passage in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus says, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I'm meek and lowly of heart, and you shall find rest for your body. You shall find rest for your spirit. No, you shall find rest for your suke, your soul, you. So that rest, some people misinterpret that rest as, oh, I come to Jesus and I don't have to do anything anymore. No, I'm not going to go to church anymore. I'm not going to serve. I'm resting like this. That is not what that's saying. That is not an invitation to quit serving Jesus. It's not an invitation to, to not make a difference anymore. This is rest for your soul so that you'll be equipped to do what God has called you uh, to do. Rest isn't quitting. Rest doesn't mean you stop telling people about Jesus. It doesn't mean that you quit living for the king and the kingdom. It doesn't mean stop loving God and stop loving other people. Oh, I'm just going to rest. I stick to myself. That's not what that is about. It means rest for your soul. And there's a few things that you can do to help that along. The Bible gives us, in the Ten Commandments, the direction to take Sabbath. Rest. Sabbath means rest. And spend time with the Lord and spend time with your family. Now, we live in a culture. Some of you work every Sunday or every Saturday. Or Paul said very clearly, don't favor one day over another, but just you know, let each person decide between them and the Lord. But I want to tell you something very clearly. The Bible uh, says in the Ten Commandments, don't lie. Have we taken that one out? Is it okay to lie now? How about don't commit adultery? Is that okay now? No, that still applies. How about don't murder? We, we still follow all those other Ten Commandments. We go, oh, thou, thou shalt keep the Sabbath and keep it holy. And we don't even remember what that is. The Sabbath is not an hour and a half on Sunday morning for you. 
If this is your day off, you're not working today. It is a day, not an hour and a half. I, I really want to challenge us to give that some serious thought. You're going to have to decide between you and the Lord what you're going to do about it. How about having a no-tech day where you put your phone down and keep your computer shut off one day a week? Try it. Some of, uh, of you would freak out because <laughs> you're so tied to it. Try it. There's this good old-fashioned thing that families used to do. It's called talking to each other. And it's possible to spend the day with the Lord, spend the day, take a nice walk in the, in, in the mountains, and you know, just something to, to spend time with the Lord and, and with each other. It means be wise. It means be, uh, simplify. You know, there's all these things that we can do uh, for our soul. So suppose, any golfers here? I know there's some golfers here. Suppose somebody, I like to golf, suppose somebody gave me the, the best country club membership in the world. Like say, this is Pebble Beach Country Club. You're now like a part owner and you can golf every day of the week and you can go there. It doesn't cost you a penny because you're an owner for, or a member for life. And I'm giving this to you because they, they like me. And so I go, oh, thank you very much. And then they come back about six months later and they go, how's that golf membership going? And I go, well, you know, I'm kind of busy. And, and uh, you know, we've just got all this stuff going on. And, and uh, I just haven't got over there yet. What would they think? Are you kidding me? And here God Almighty has given you a gift. He's given you a gift of one day out of seven to rest, spend time with him. I want to encourage you, pick a day. Get a day where you rest. I am convinced that there will be less stress, there'll be less high blood pressure, there'll be less uh, uh, ailments going around if we would follow God's word, if we would walk in wisdom. The children of Israel, they took one day off a week to rest. And they went to Jerusalem a couple times a year for an equip. And that's all they did. And they didn't have to have vacation or personal days or, you know, these kind of things. Mental health break. They didn't have any uh, psychiatry bills. They didn't have any because they just did it God's way. It's very simple. We get so convoluted. I want to encourage you. Probably the biggest thing uh, today is don't get caught up in this world's ways. Uh, but keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Keep your eyes fixed on His ways. It's simple, but profound. It's temporal, but it has eternal impact. And it's a big deal. So we're talking about families here. We're talking about strong, healthy families and strong, healthy individuals who are serving Jesus and making a difference in their sphere of influence. And once again, Paul says, Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. Amen.